Thank you for tuning into the Chapel Valley Church Podcast. Today we wanted to share a special teaching from Pastor Jeremiah Jenin. We hope this message encourages you and builds a deeper level of faith in you. Thank you for joining us and enjoy this message. Well, who's ready to get in the Word this morning? That doesn't sound very positive. Yeah. I am, I am, I'm very excited for the word this morning. Um, you know, I, I was talking with Susie and there's kind of always this uh, unspoken, not pressure, but there's always this kind of expectation that, hell, if you're a church during Christmas time, you're going to have a Christmas series. And I'm not really into that, right? I, 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 because if you, if people only come to church during Christmas time, they're just going to hear this, the same story over and over and over. And I'm like, well, what is the Holy Spirit saying? Let's say that, right? And so sometimes I'm like, I don't want to do a necessarily pigeonhole ourselves into something when I, the Holy Spirit wants to say something else. But I really do feel like what we are about to go into is really led of the Lord and something so precious. And as I was praying and going through these scriptures this morning, I just couldn't help but be overwhelmed with the love of God. And my hope is, is that as we are going through these scriptures, I'm going to need, is it okay if we get into the word a little bit deeper than maybe just normal? Is that okay? Um, and the reason we want to do that is because his word is power. His word is truth. We need that. But I believe that there is something that the Lord wants to show us straight out of scripture to convey his heart for you. That you are loved, that you are his delight. And so we are beginning this series called God With Us. And if you have your Bibles, I'm going to invite you to turn to two places. Matthew chapter 1. We're going to be there very briefly. Um, And then Proverbs chapter 8. Matthew chapter 1 and Proverbs chapter 8. And we're going to go to this Matthew chapter 1 and everybody can say Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Here we go. Matthew chapter one, starting at verse 22 says, so all this, everybody say all this, all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Now, this is the same scripture. I believe it's even in the Charlie Brown Christmas special. And we always love hearing this. And it's so impactful that it's, wow, God wanted to be with me. And I was, uh, as, as I was going about my week, last week we had a, uh, what I believe was a powerful message about being in the presence of the Lord and how Jesus wants us to just spend time with him and to sit at his feet and receive from him. And so last week I was like, you know, I need to, I need to listen to my own message and I'm going to get up a little bit earlier this week and spend some time with the Lord. And I did really good for about three days. Okay. And then that fourth day I was like, I, I set my alarm, the alarm goes up and I'm like, yes, Lord, thank you. This is the day that the Lord has. And I'm like, I'm going, I went right back to sleep, right? Like I just went right back to sleep and I was even in my dreams, I felt like there was this, this prayer that was taking place, but I didn't have that time of being in his presence that morning. And I just had to get the kids ready, get them to school, do all the things that needed to be done, right? Life continues on. And I remember going up the stairs and I was going to get ready for the rest of my day. And I, I had taken care of all the morning routine stuff. And I was walking up the stairs and I was like, oh, Lord, I'm so sorry. I didn't spend time with you this morning. And as I was walking up, he's, he, I heard two things. Number one, he said, I gave you what you needed. But number two, he said, being with you is the best part of my day. And at first I was like, well, that's really, that's cheesy. And then immediately it settled. And it was, wait, the creator of all things of everything in this earth, of every person, every element, all the animals, the plant, the creator of all things, the thing he looks forward to more than anything is for me to be with him. How impactful is that? And it wasn't, listen, it wasn't like, oh, it's because, you know, he's a pastor and God has favor. No, no, it wasn't that. Even though I am God's favorite, 
How many of you know I'm not just God's favorite? We're all his favorite. And he wants nothing more than to be people who are with him. And I knew in that moment this is where we were going. That God wants nothing more than to be with you. Amen? And so we, we read this, and I believe the Lord's wanting to give a glimpse of his heart for us. And this morning, I want to look from the very beginning how Jesus has done everything to be with you. And I had you turn to Proverbs chapter 8, and I want to start at verse 12. And this is actually towards the middle of the Bible, but this is actually, uh, this is giving us a glimpse from a different lens of creation and what was taking place at the very beginning. But Proverbs chapter 8, starting at verse 12, says, I, wisdom... Dwell together with prudence. I possess knowledge and discretion. And so, real quick, and this is an open screen test. What is talking here right now? Wisdom. Right? Wisdom is talking here. And when this was written, King Solomon is the one who wrote these words, who wrote this section of the book of Proverbs. But notice, wisdom is speaking here, and he continues to speak for the rest of the chapter. Verse 22 says... The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his way, before his works of old. I have been established from everlasting, from, or been established from everlasting, from the beginning before there was ever an earth. There were, when there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no fountains abounding with water. Before the mountains were settled, before the hills, I was brought forth. And so we can see right away that this person of wisdom was before creation. Before all of the earth was created, before things were settled, he was before all of that. Verse 26 says, while as of yet, while as yet he had not made the earth or the fields or the primeval dust of the world, when he prepared the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, When he established the clouds above, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit so that the waters could not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, when he assigned to the sea its limit so that the waters could not transgress his commands, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, notice verse 30, then I was beside him as a master craftsman. And I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him, rejoicing in his inhabited world. And my delight was with the sons of men. And I want us to ask this question today. Who is this person of wisdom? Some people, some scholars would say that this is a form of literature where it's personification, where you personify something to give it uh, an, an understanding that this was simply personifying wisdom. Others speculate this could be the Holy Spirit and some believe it could be Jesus. But I want us to look at four clues of who this person of wisdom is in Proverbs chapter 8. Verse 12 says, I, wisdom, dwell with with prudence. And so the first clue we see here is that this person is called wisdom. And then verse 30 says, then I was beside him, talking about God, as a master craftsman. And so we can see here that this person created the world with God. They weren't just a spectator. They weren't just at the side of him and just watching God. Wow, God, yeah, keep it up, right? He wasn't just a cheerleader. No, this person of wisdom was literally at the beginning, at creation, and he was a master craftsman. How many of you know if you are a master at something, that literally means that you are an expert in every facet of that field? Right. So there might be master uh, electricians or tradesmen. Right. You are literally considered an expert in every area of the trade. So this person of wisdom was not just an apprentice. This person at creation knew exactly what they were doing. They knew how to every detail, how to make things and see things take place. They were in every sense a master of their trade. And then verse 30 continues and says, and this is the next clue. Then I was beside him as a master craftsman and I was daily his delight. I was daily talking about God, God's delight. 
What does it mean to delight in something? You know, some of us, we all have our delights, right? We all have things that we look forward to every day. For some of us, it might just be a cup of coffee in the morning, right? And we even you will say things like, if we're rude to somebody in the morning, we can just throw the excuse, well, I'm sorry, I just haven't had my coffee, as though it just eliminates everything we just said to somebody or how we treated them, right? But for some of us, it's a warm cup of coffee in the morning, and we can just sit and just read the newspaper. Or, you know, for others, it might be a hobby. But there's something, a delight, that you, something you look forward to every single day. And this person of wisdom is saying, at the time of creation, when all things were created, I was daily God's delight. I'm the one that God looked forward to being with every day. But wisdom says something interesting right next. And and here's the fourth clue in verse 31. It says, I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him, rejoicing in his inhabited world. But notice, but my delight, my delight was with the sons of men. Wisdom was saying, I was the one that God looked forward to being with every single day. But my delight, what I look forward to more than anything was being with the people here on earth every day. You know, when, how many of you remember in Genesis chapter one, the very first few words of the Bible, right? In the beginning, God created, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But we see in John chapter one, in verse one, John says, he he starts his gospel the same way. He says, in the beginning, but notice these next words, words in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. And then we see who the word is in verse 14 and the word became flesh. And dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Yeah, amen, that is good, that's right. And so we can see John here, he's referring to the Word. He's not referring to something inanimate, he's referring to a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. And so if we take that, the name of Jesus, I want us to look at this again. And I want us to say, know that when John is saying the word, he's really talking about Jesus. And so we could really say in the beginning was the word. In the beginning was Jesus. And Jesus was with God. And Jesus was God. Jesus was in the beginning with God. Amen. You see, you may have guessed it. The person of wisdom in Proverbs chapter 8 is Jesus. And it says in verse 3, all things were made through Jesus. Does this sound like the master craftsman that Proverbs chapter 8 was talking about? It says all things were made through who? Through Jesus. The master craftsman. The one who was in the very beginning creating all things. And it says, and without Jesus was not anything made that was made. That sounds so redundant, right? I'm like, I remember as a kid, I was like, why is the Bible repeating itself like that? It's like confusing. Like I'm trying to memorize this and it's like, I can't do it, right? But it sounds redundant. It sounds like it's saying the same thing. But how many of you know something that I like to do and and one of the things that I enjoy, but I don't get to do it all the time. But when I get to do it, I want to make sure I'm a part of every detail. I really enjoy putting computers together. All right. And everybody's like, what? Yeah, no, I do. Okay. And I like building them. I like picking out the different pieces, putting it together, making sure things are optimized, things are working, right? Now, how many of you know, I am not an expert in this. I'm not a master in this. There's probably people that could do a better job in it than me, right? But if I took all of the time and I got all the components together and I got all the resources and I was researching and doing all of the, the trying to see what pieces would work best together. And I got all the pieces gathered and I went out and I came home and, and some professional took care of it and put it all together for me and said, I, I did it for you. How many of you know I would not be very pleased, right? Why? Because I was looking forward to putting it together myself. 
I want, I enjoy this. I wanted to do this. I wanted to be a part of it. How many of you know when Jesus was saying, or when it says, without Jesus was not anything made that was made. How many of you know Jesus was saying, I want to be a part of every detail. I want to be a part of every nuance of this thing. Don't make anything without me. I, I, I want to, I want to, I'm going to create, we're going to create people. And, and, and it's like Jesus saying, we're going to create people. And you know what? I, I want them to enjoy their food. So we're going to make steak. Yeah. I'm going to give them cows, right? And they're going to have cows. And it's not just going to be steak. I'm going to give them seasoning so they can like manipulate the flavors, right? Can you think how Jesus was dreaming at the beginning of creation that all things were made through him and without him, he was, nothing was made that was made. In other words, Jesus was in every detail of where we are today. Amen. And so this is what the Holy Spirit is telling us through John, that it wasn't just God who created all things. Jesus did. And he didn't just whip it all together. He was a part of every detail. Listen to what Paul wrote to the Colossians in chapter 1, verse 12. It says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of, notice, his beloved son. Notice, Jesus was God's beloved. He was the one that he loved. He was the one, it was his delight. Jesus was God's daily delight. And verse 14 says, In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Notice verse 16, for by him, by Jesus, notice what Paul says, all things were created. By Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him, but notice this part, and for him. That's due. All things were not only created by Jesus. Scripture's saying all things were also created for Jesus. I'm going to say it one more time so we can really get this settled in our heart. Not only were all things created by Jesus, it was created for Jesus. Amen. See, this is, this is new. And what I'm trying to show us today is that there is something very special about our relationship with Jesus. Between us and him. Listen to John 17, 24. This is Jesus. This was his prayer. He says, Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which you have given to me. Isn't that what we just sang this morning? Oh, that we would be people that would respond to this prayer from Jesus and say, Jesus, I want to be someone who regularly sits at your feet and beholds your glory. He says that they may be with me. Somebody say amen to that. That they may behold my glory, which you have given me. And notice these next words. For you have loved me before the foundation of the world. Isn't that what we just read in Proverbs chapter 8? From the foundation of the world, before all things, I was there with the Father and I was daily his delight. And the person of wisdom is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I want to show you a couple more because I'm, I'm, we're solving these clues. First Corinthians chapter one, verse 23 says, but we preach Christ crucified to the Jews, a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and notice and the wisdom of God. Notice Paul calls Jesus the wisdom of God. Verse 30 says, but of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom of God. 
Notice Jesus is the person of wisdom that Proverbs chapter 8 is talking about. And he wants us to know that when all of creation took place, when every detail, Jesus was the one that was behind it. When he was putting it all together, he was like, man, you know who's going to enjoy this? You know, Pastor Jay's really going to like this. I'm going to, there's going to be computer, this thing called computers. Right. And people are going to they're going to be invented and they'll be just on time for him. And he's going to be putting them together. Right. How many of you know, Jesus was in every single detail. He was the one that was doing it and he didn't just do it so that we could get through. He did it. He created all things so that we could enjoy it, so that we could enjoy creation, so that we could enjoy life with him, so that we could be with him forever. Notice, all things were create, made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And so I ask you, who is the person of wisdom? It is none other than Jesus. It is Jesus. Now, we have gone through every clue, and I'm here to tell you more than that the person of wisdom is Jesus. I want us to focus in on clue number four, because we've dealt with everything. But this was clue number four. When wisdom says, I was daily his delight. Talking about God. I was daily God's delight. Rejoicing always before him. Rejoicing in his inhabited world. But he says, and my delight was the sons of men. How many of you know we are wisdom's daily delight? We are the one that he looks forward to being with. Every day. That there is nothing that makes him more excited than when we come face to face with him. When we spend time in his presence. When we spend time in his word. And we're not just going through a checklist. No, we are coming face to face with Jesus. How many of you know this is his heart? This is his desire. We are his daily delight. And I want to spend, listen, what time? We're good. We're just going to spend the next, can we, everybody stay with me for 10 to 15 minutes and we are going to explore that. Because I think there's something so precious that the Lord wants to bring to us today that you are his delight. You. I'm not just talking like, oh, Jesus died for the sins of the world and you're just happened to be a part of that. I think that's sometimes how we treat what Jesus did. I mean, he doesn't really love me. He just loved the world. And I just happened to be a part of that. No, how many of you know that's not true? You are his delight. You are his delight. Everybody say that. I am his delight. And that's what was the Lord, the Lord was speaking to me as I was walking up the stairs. This is so routine. I mean, I'm just walking up the stairs, going to get ready for my day. And the Lord says, you're my favorite part of the day. And I knew he was being so truthful. So sincere. How can we not respond to that? You are his delight. Genesis chapter three, and I'm, we're gonna, we're gonna go through this and man, we could spend a lot of time on this, but Genesis chapter three, at this point, Everything was created. Everything was perfect. There was no fear. There was no insecurity. How many of you are familiar with the story of Adam and Eve, right? Okay. God created the heavens, the earth, everything was perfect. Oh, it was a good place. There was no fear, no guilt, no condemnation, no shame. How many of you would like to go back to that, right? There was none of that, okay? And it says in verse 15, it says, Now the serpent was more cunning, that means crafty. The serpent was more cunning or crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Now notice the serpent is coming to Eve and he says, has God indeed said that you should not eat of every tree of the garden? Well, how many of you remember in Genesis chapter 2, God told Adam, you can eat anything in the garden except the one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God said, the day that you eat of that tree, you will surely die. How many of you know the enemy likes to blow things out of proportion for us, right? The enemy likes to tempt us because he, was, he said, you don't want to be a Christian because then you can't have any fun. 
You can't do anything. How many of you know that's the way the enemy likes to get at us sometimes? The enemy loves to blow things out of proportion. And here's the enemy trying to deceive Eve and get her to do what God said not to do. And verse 4 says, Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then, everybody say then. How many of you know something changed? Here was Jesus. His delight was the sons of men who had put so much time, so much effort, so much thought, and not just thought and work, love, into creating this perfect place for people to be with him. But then everything changed. It says, then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. In other words, something changed the moment that they ate of the fruit. The moment that they did, they did what God told them not to do, something on the inside was open. Something changed. Something was compromised. And all of a sudden, they began to see things differently. You see, at this, up until this point, they had never been afraid. They had never been insecure. They had never been ashamed or embarrassed, but all of a sudden they ate this fruit that God told them not to eat of, eat from, and something was compromised. It was as though, you know, when you have a, a lamp, right, and the light's on, right, you can turn off the light and the lamp is still there, but it's not the same. Something had gone out on the inside. Verse 8 says, and they heard the sound. Everybody say the sound. It says, they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. What's, what's happening? He's coming to be with them. And Adam and his wife, they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Notice it says, they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden. That word, the sound, can actually also, is the Hebrew word kol, which can also be translated the voice. Now, how many of you know we don't have the original translation? We're not reading out of Hebrew, right? And so when things are translated out of one language into another, the translators do the best that they can to communicate what was originally said, right? But it is difficult to translate this because how do you translate, they heard the voice of the Lord God walking? How do you translate, it doesn't make sense. And so they would say they heard the sound of the Lord. But I want you to notice, could it be that instead of they heard the sound of the Lord walking, could it be that it's saying, not just saying the voice of God walking, it's saying they heard the word of God walking. They were hearing the word of God walking. Why? Because Proverbs chapter 8 says, I was daily God's delight. I'm the one that God looked, looked forward to being with every day. But my delight was to be with them. And every day, I looked forward to walking in the cool of the day to spend time with them, to be with my delight, to be with my people. In other words, Jesus was the one who created all things, every detail. Jesus was the one who would say, let's make man in our image. He was, Jesus was the one who would walk with the sons of man in the cool of the day. But something here happened. Something changed when they ate of the fruit. All of a sudden, they weren't in the normal meeting place. Something had changed for the very first time. Adam and Eve are afraid of God. And because of their sin, they're hiding from God just like so many people do today. And they were hiding. And the Lord comes to the garden in the cool of the day and they're not there and something's up. Something changed. Verse 9 says, Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? And so he said, I heard your voice. There's that word again. I heard the word. I heard the word in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked. And I hid myself. 
How many of you know this is why so many people are filled with shame to this day? Because there is compromise on the inside. There is this guilt that we can't be near him because something was separating us from being in his presence now. They couldn't tolerate it. They couldn't handle it. They couldn't bear the weight of being near him. Why? Because I'm not worthy. I'm, I'm naked. Do you see who I am? Do you see what I've done? And so here are these people, and it's verse 11 says, And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded that you should not eat? Then the man said, The woman, notice the blaming, The woman whom you gave to be with me, Notice, he's not even just blaming the woman, he's blaming God. The woman you gave me, gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The Lord speaking to Eve and he's not, it's not anger. He's looking at her and he's saying, do you realize what you've done? Do you realize what just happened? I can't be with you because there is something on the inside. There is compromise that has taken place that keeps you from now being with me. How many of you know God is a holy God and he knows no darkness? And there was something that happened when sin entered the world through Adam and Eve, something that was passed down from person to person to person that compromised us from being with him. And so the Lord is speaking to Eve. Do you realize what, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Now notice the Lord's tone when he speaks to the serpent. It says, so the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the cattle. And more than every beast of the field on your belly, you shall go. So we get the idea that this serpent had legs before, but can, how many of you can just hear the tone in his voice? You can hear the anger because what the serpent had done, the serpent had stolen his daily delight. He had taken the ones that he loved being with more than anything away from him. And because of this, the tone has changed. The game has changed. And you can hear it in his voice. I love them. I enjoy being with them. But now they're afraid of me. Because there is compromise on the inside. And now we are disconnected because of the sin that is in their heart. And there was this anger that was in the Lord's heart. And it says, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity, which means hatred or hostility, between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. Notice the capital S. Who's that talking about? The seed is what comes from you. Right? The seed that comes from the serpent is the devil. We see that in Revelation chapter 12, that the serpent of old, right? That, 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 That what it's talking about, his seed is Satan, the devil, the kingdom of darkness. But the seed, the capital S, is talking about Jesus. It says, I will put enmity between them and you will, uh, enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He will bruise your head and you will bruise his heel. You see, right after sin came into the world, Eve ate of the fruit. And with that, a disconnection from God came. And from that moment, when sin came into the world in chapter 3 of the Bible, Jesus in that moment knew that if I don't do something, if someone doesn't save them, they're destined for hell. If someone doesn't step in for them, They'll be apart from me forever. 
And verse 15 says, he will bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. In other words, the domin- Jesus, the Lord was saying to the serpent, the domination that you have over human beings with sin and bondage, the woman's seed is going to come and he, she's going to take that from you. He's going to crush your head, but you will bruise his heel, meaning he will also be hurt in the process. But I want you to notice that from the very beginning, Jesus created all things. His delight was you. His delight was to be with you. And when sin came in the world, there was a disconnection from God. And from that moment, Jesus made the decision, I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you. And so when we're talking about Emmanuel, God with us, it's not just some Christmas miracle. We're talking about the creator of all things who loved you so much that he didn't want to do life without you. He didn't want to be apart from you. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that in that moment, he didn't just say, you know what? Just wipe it out. I'm going to start fresh and I'm going to just start all over. No, you are his delight. And he has committed himself from the very beginning to be with you and to make a way that you can be with him. This is the greatest love story that could ever be told. That there was no hesitation from Jesus here. We see the love of God so clearly. And Jesus was saying to the serpent, there will be warfare between you and me. I am going to become human and you're going to come against me just like you came against Adam and Eve. And yeah, you're going to hurt me in the process, but I'm going to take away your authority and I'm going to get my delight back. How many of you know it was not the father who took on flesh? It wasn't the Holy Spirit who took on flesh. It wasn't some angel who took on flesh. It was Jesus. It was Jesus. You know, I... I don't know about you, but I I love my dog, but I don't want to become one. Think about this. The creator of all things became one of the created. Yeah. The creator of the universe became one of the created. He humbled himself. And you can hear that and think, well, he only became a human for 33 years. No. No. He became human forever. He is on the throne in bodily form with the wounds in his hands. And when you get to heaven and you see him face to face, he will show you the wounds. And he'll say, I did this for you. Because you are my delight. I'm not just going to send somebody else to do the job. I'm not just going to send some angels and have them mess up the devil and then now we're good. No, no, no. I'm coming for you. Can you see the love of God here? Can you see what he has done? Can you see what we are celebrating when it comes to this time where we're celebrating Christmas, that this is God with us? You know, you can hear this and you might think, man, all about this love of Jesus. It kind of takes away from the love of the Father. But how many of you know it enhances the love of the Father? Because John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Let me put it this way. And let me put it in the context of what we're talking about today. For God so loved you that he gave up his daily delight. Come on, are we hearing this? This enhances the love of the Father because he gave the most important thing for us. I'm going to close with this scripture and I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. When we recognize this, listen, this is is something we have to capture. When we recognize this, this, it changes our posture. It changes how we approach the Lord. Because you realize that I'm not just 
the uh, one piece of a million piece, billion piece puzzle. That, yeah, God loves me, but he doesn't really love me. How many of you know that's not true? God sees you. Jesus loves you. And you are his delight. And he wants nothing more than for people to hear the good news of what he has done. And to receive that gift of salvation that he has made available to them. To receive the gift of the forgiveness of sins. To turn the light back on on the inside. To remove compromise. To remove guilt. To remove shame. How many of you know that's what Jesus came to pay for? To restore connection and fellowship with him. Why? Because he loves you. You are his delight. You are the one that he looks forward to being with every day. I don't know about you, but I'm not very motivated by following just a reading plan and a daily devotional, but I am motivated by seeing Jesus. And that's what we have an opportunity to do when we come into spaces like this, where we're all together, where we all bring our part, where we all bring that renewed spirit and an understanding of who Jesus is. When we come into a place together like that, And we say, Jesus, we are all here because of you. We're all here for you. Come and do what you want to do. How many of you know that's his dream? This is what he's always wanted. Is to have a people who have been set apart for him that follow him. I'm closing with this scripture, Romans 8.35. Paul asked this question. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Notice this isn't just the love of God in general. Who shall separate us from the love of Jesus? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are all killed. We are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Jesus who loved us. We are more than conquerors through Jesus. Verse 38 says, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able able to separate us from the love of God, which is where? In Christ Jesus, our Lord. What is this saying? It's saying, you are his delight. And there is nothing that he wouldn't do to restore a relationship and fellowship with you. In fact, he's already done it. He's already made a way. Jesus came and took on human flesh to become one of us, to take the sin, to take the shame, to take the compromise, to take all of that up on the cross, that whoever would believe in him and what he has done, that he has defeated the grave, that he has overcome death, whoever would receive that would have life and fellowship with him forever. You are his delight. Every day, you are what Jesus looks forward to most. And some of you here maybe haven't given him a thought today. Maybe you haven't given him a thought for a week. Or maybe you haven't been thinking about him for years. But I will tell you this. He thinks about you all the time. And he's saying, will you respond to what I've already done? Many of you in here have received this life already have received the salvation he's made available. But you can't tell me that hearing this from the very beginning, what Jesus did, you can't tell me that you aren't compelled to say, Jesus, I give you everything because you gave everything for me. You can't tell me that the Holy Spirit isn't speaking to hearts right now 
and restoring a renewed flame and a renewed vigor and a renewed fire on the inside that says, I must be with Jesus. It doesn't matter what trials or tribulations or circumstances I go through in life. It doesn't matter what things may come against me. Why? Because nothing can separate me from him. Nothing can separate me from the love of Jesus. There is no attack. There is no plan of the adversary. Yes, he was hurt in the process, but all authority has been given to him. He has overcome the devil. He has overcome the grave. And now my life is found in him. Amen. Are we receiving this today? Are we receiving this? Because this is Jesus looking straight at you. You are my delight. You are my delight. You are his delight. Jesus loves you. Can we stand together? We're going to, I want us to respond to the love of Jesus today. I'm going to ask that we bow our heads this morning. And I want us to respond to Jesus' love today. And maybe you're in your heart, there's this resolve and there's this voice that is saying, I must do something. You need to know following Jesus looks like something. And there's something on the inside that's saying, he gave everything to be with me. So I'm going to choose Jesus today and give my life to him. Maybe you've been disconnected. Maybe you've never known him. Or maybe you just haven't been thinking about him the way or spending time with him the way. But if you are here today and you're saying, Jesus, I am choosing to give my life to you today. Can you just, with every head bowed right now, can you just lift your hand and say, I'm choosing him today. Amen. And I'm going to ask that we pray this together. And I'm going to ask that you repeat after me in a voice that's loud enough for the person next to you to hear. We don't need to yell. We don't need to shout. But the word says, if you confess with your mouth, what does that mean? If we speak it, that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. In other words, you're back in connection. You're back in connection. Repeat this prayer after me. Say, Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you that you love me so much that you sent your son Jesus to come and die for me, to take away my sin and shame, that I might be with you forever. I confess my sins and I receive forgiveness by the blood of Jesus. Wash me today. Cleanse me today. I receive the life that you've given me. And I choose to give my life to you. From this day forward, I choose to be a follower of you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we just thank the Lord this morning? Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for what you will do. Let me just pray this over you. Father, I thank you for the love of Jesus. I thank you for your love for us. We thank you, Lord, that you are revealing and explaining and speaking your love right where we are. Lord, I pray that every person here today would continue to open their heart to your extravagant love. And that you be continue to teach them, that you would continue to grow them. We thank you, Jesus, for your love. That you really, really do love us. No matter what we've done, you love us. Lord, help us to love you in return.
know, how many of you know, and, and I, I did mention it during that prayer, following Jesus looks like something, right? It, it doesn't mean we just pray a prayer, we go about our life. There is a change that happens. And I would love if you prayed that prayer for the first time, I would love to just take a moment after, after our service. I'm going to be right up here. If you could just come and I just want to share with you a little bit about what that looks like, what it looks like to follow Jesus, because there, we don't want to leave here and then just get taken advantage of by the adversary. The, the thief comes immediately to steal the word that was sown. And I believe that everybody has heard a word from the Lord today. We don't want to leave here the same, right? We don't want to leave here taken advantage of. Uh, no, we want to receive the word, to keep it, to guard it. But if you're here and you want to know what it means to follow Jesus, I'd love to talk to you after today's service. Uh, but can we just do this? We're going to we're going to dismiss in just a moment. But can we just welcome those who have become a part of the family of the Lord this morning? Thank you, Jesus. God is good. He is good. He's 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 my favorite. All right. Are we good? Is there anything else? My hope is, I know this is something that the Lord is working on in me, but this is so precious. And my hope is, is that we wouldn't just go about our life the same, but that we would really, really continue to have our eyes open to the love of Jesus. That's what we're celebrating. Amen. It's not just Merry Chris. No, it's Jesus is here. Jesus is here. He's the reason we're here. He's the reason we come and he's the reason we go out. So let's continue to follow him. Let's continue to walk with him. You guys are dismissed. You're loved. If I haven't met you before, I'd love to take a moment to meet you. So don't leave too quick, but you are dismissed. Tell somebody around him, Jesus loves you. And then we will see you guys here next Sunday at 10 o'clock. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Chapel Valley Church. We want to hear from you, so please take a moment to share your story by emailing us at info at chapelvalley.org. We hope you stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching Chapel Valley Church. You can also stay updated by visiting our website, chapelvalley.org.